Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Speak of the Devils podcast, a podcast about Manchester United Football Club. I'm your host. My name is Will, and the the goal of this podcast is to cover the team as best I can. Yes, I am a fan, but I really want to be as objective as possible. So I will praise the team when I feel they deserve it, but I'm completely comfortable criticizing the team when I feel that is warranted as well. I wanted to start the podcast before the season, but I unfortunately had some things uh, come up that didn't allow me to do that. So in today's episode, we will take a look at United's first two matches of the season, as well as preview of the game against Nottingham Forest at the weekend. So without further ado, let's get into it. So United started out the season poorly, just like they did last year. Uh, not quite as bad as last year, but we've got a 1-0 win against Wolves, in which they played very poorly and lots of alarm bells started going off. And then we had a 2-0 loss against Tottenham, in which some people that raised the panic meter and some people that actually lowered the panic meter. So what I want to do is kind of take a look at some of the things that came up in these games and say, is this a long-term concern or is this something that's going to get remedied with time? And, and then use that information to look forward to the game at the weekend. Starting with the Wolves game, it, it was just a bad match. There, there's no way around it. United played really poorly and were lucky to come away with, with a win. Yes, they created a decent amount of XG, uh, but Wolves had 23 shots and they, and they had even more XG than United did. What we saw a lot that game were chances in transition for Wolves. A lot of broken press uh, which was worrying. You know, we thought with with some of the additions we made with Mason Mount, who's excellent out of possession and pressing, with the addition of Andre Onana, allowing the team to play further up the field, that we would see a, a better, more cohesive pressing system. And it was very discouraging to see it get broken over and over again in, in the first game of the season. There's been a lot of debate on what caused this. There's there's kind of been three schools of thought. Is is it a bad pressing system? Uh, are individuals making errors that they normally wouldn't make? Are individuals being asked to do things that they are unable to do? Or is it a rest defense issue? Yeah, I'll be honest, watching the game, I, I thought it was a rest defense issue. You know, rest defense is the, the concept of when you're in possession, you attack in such a way that if you were to lose the ball, you were set up well to defend counterattacks. And, and as we saw in that match... That just wasn't the case. It doesn't help that Wolves have numerous players who are very press resistant and, and are good at carrying the ball and, and turning out of pressure. We saw Cunha do it multiple times. We saw Nunez do it multiple times. You know, they have the players that are able to withstand the type of pressure United was trying to put them under. But even so, we saw time and time again that Wolves players were just given way too much space to carry the ball once they beat their initial man. I don't think one person was at, at fault for this. It, it really seemed like a, a team failure in that regard. But the counter argument to saying that it's a rest defense issue is saying that United are just losing the ball in positions in which you cannot afford to lose the ball. And I think that's true too. That touches more on the individual errors side of things. And we saw that a bit more, it played out a bit more against Tottenham. You know, I think in the first half against Spurs, United were incredibly dominant. I think on another day, they're, they're two or three goals up and the game is already over. But going into the second half, there, there's just individual errors that cannot happen. 
you know, looking at the first goal, Garnacho tracking back was was just not good enough. The deflection is is very unlucky. That 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 leads to the the first goal. And on the second goal, you, you just saw Erickson not mark his man. You saw Lissandro caught between two minds. He had to mark two players at once, which is impossible. Erickson realized it too late, and by that time, the ball had already gone in. The individual errors line of thinking, it makes it really hard to gauge long-term concern you know, about the season going forward from here. It's something that you can say is, is going to be a one-off or, or maybe you know, the first couple of weeks. But as the season goes on and the sample size grows, you have to start to think, are, are these individuals good enough? Are they being asked to do too much? What's happening in training? Those sorts of questions need to be asked. Now, if they go, you know, play Nottingham Forest at the weekend, win 3-0, and then get a result against Arsenal, all is good. All is good. You know, it was a rough start to the season. Some individual errors cost us some goals, but we're back on track. If we see more of the same, you know, it's time to, to start worrying a little bit more. And I'll be honest, I think right now my, my personal panic meter is probably at about a four or a five. The main reason being, even though I, I think it's a mix of system problems as well as individual errors, which, you know, maybe you think my panic meter should be higher if that's the case. My line of thinking this entire season so far, you know, through the summer, even through a lot of last year, is let's see this team with a center forward. We've seen Rashford playing at center forward both games so far, and it's not been good. I, I think Ten Hag knows that. I think Rashford knows that. But really, there, there hasn't been another option. You, know, you could say Anthony Martial, but our, Anthony Martial, could just, he just can't run like he used to. He's not the player he once was, and sadly, that's down to injury. You know, there's nothing anyone can do about it. It's, it's caught up to him. He can't play at the level required. The other option is Jaden Sancho. We saw him play as a false nine a lot in preseason, and there were some interesting things we saw, some good, some not so good. I'm definitely willing to, to see what that looks like in the Premier League. Obviously, Ten Hag has seen in training and in the preseason that it's it's not ready to be played in a Premier League match yet. I have a feeling that we might see that this weekend, just given how the first two games have gone. But I think Ten Hag has built up enough credibility to say, for me to say, if he's not ready to play Sancho at center forward, then then I'm not either, you know. And that leads us to Rasmus Hoyland. Now, it's it's rumored that he's going to be in the squad this weekend. I kind of doubt he starts, but, you know, fingers crossed, right? I really think it's to the point where, you know, whether or not Hoyland can score 20, 25 goals is, is almost, I wouldn't say irrelevant, but I just think having someone who's capable of stretching back lines with his movement, being able to hold up play when needed, and being able to get on the ends of, of crosses and score goals, it's just going to make so many players on the team better. I think it's going to give Rashford more space on the left. I think it's going to give Sancho someone to play off of. It's going to give Anthony someone to play off of. It's going to give Bruno someone to get on the end of, of his deliveries. Same with Delo and same with Luke Shaw. It's going to help Casemiro out as a, as a whole when it comes to how the team can press when Hoyland's in the side. I, I just think having an athletic 
dedicated center forward is going to make this team so much better. So it's been really hard for me to pass overarching judgment on the club as a whole when we really just haven't seen this happen yet. And besides the introduction of, of Rasmus Hoyland, what else needs to change going into the Nottingham Forest game? I, I think it's time Delo gets a run of games again. Uh, he was he was absolutely class before the World Cup last year and then had some inconsistencies after that. And I can see why Ten Hag leaned on Juan Basaka for a while. There were just games where he would shut down opposing left wingers. But we're starting to see now the opposition begin to target Juan Basaka and build up. We, we will see whenever Onana has the ball, the opposing team will, will set up in such a way where the ball has to go to Aaron Juan Basaka. And as much as he's improved, as much as I, I love the kid, he still just isn't it on the ball. Um, his, his man-to-man defense, his one-on-one dribbling is very good. But he still has some holes in his game, even defensively, if you look at things like, you know, zonal marking, back post marking, that sort of thing. And while we did see a good, a, a good, I say good, a, a decent game in possession against Wolves, he was right back to being exposed against Spurs. And I think having Delo in instead of Juan Pisaka just gives United a bit more freedom to build up on either side. You know, we saw a lot of Shaw going into midfield against Wolves, which we hadn't really seen before. I don't think it particularly worked very well, but we've seen Delo go into midfield and invert. Uh, we've seen it both you know, with United and I believe with the Portuguese national team as well, something he's quite comfortable with. And I just think it brings that balance and unpredictability that you know forces teams to not... It forces teams to have to, to guess and not be able to target and funnel you to one side and kind of have you exactly where they want you sort of thing. Some of the other positions you have to look at now are unfortunately both of the of the wings. Anthony and Garnacho not having a great start to the season. Uh, what we've seen out of Garnacho is a lot of the upside, but we have seen a lot of the downside. Um, just really poor decision making with with the ball. And same could be said for Anthony as as well. You know, those two players, you're seeing him get into really good positions. And then having the option, let's say, for example, you know, if they have an opportunity to overlap, play a pass inside or shoot, they're almost always making the wrong decision. And it's it's more concerning for Anthony than it is Garnacho. I I still don't know long term concerning for Anthony. It's one of those things where he has that huge fee, so you want to say it's concerning, but he's still a young player. It's still only his second season in the Premier League. And again, we haven't even seen him with with our new center forward yet. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think both of them should start this weekend. I understand if one of them have to start because we're we just have an issue of, of lack of bodies right now. You know, Diallo's out. Polistri sounds like he might be going on loan. So I understand if you have to start one or the other. I, I think I would like to see Sancho at center forward, Rashford on the left, and then either Anthony or Polistri on the right. I think I'm really fine with either one, to, to be honest. I know most people are saying Anthony needs to be benched immediately. 
but we really don't know what we're going to get from Polistri starting a Premier League game. I, I'd say Polistri's looked very promising off the bench, but keep in mind, if Ten Hag starts Polistri and United lose the game against Forest, now the pressure's really up, right? So it's one of those things you have to debate, you know, which one has the higher floor, which one has the higher ceiling. I, I think Anthony has a higher floor. I think Polistri probably has a higher ceiling. And then you have to balance that risk. If it's if this is a one-off game in a vacuum with no other context around it, I, I would like to see Polistri play. But I can understand wanting to go with a little bit more of a safe bet, a little bit of a higher floor by playing Antony in this match when you're already making other changes to the lineup, or at least I'm assuming Ten Hag is going to make other changes to the lineup. I'd be very surprised uh, if he didn't make any changes. And lastly, that brings us to, to Mason Mount. Mason Mount out injured now. Um, a lot of people have not been impressed. I personally think he's been our best player through the first two games besides Andre Onana. Now, um, that isn't saying much. United have been quite poor. I know we haven't seen as much of a goal threat, maybe, as, as people thought we were going to see from Mason Mount, but he's been tidy in possession. He's, he's been very good out of possession, lots of recoveries, you know, really good pressing. And I think the loss is really going really to hurt the team. What Ten Hag decides to do to fill that hole is, is interesting. I, my initial thought is to play Erickson against Nottingham Forest. And then in the game against Arsenal, you probably need a bit more solidity. And there you play McTominay next to Casemiro. Starting with Erickson, it's it's a tough one, right? This ideally, you know, honestly, you'd probably still have Fred here. Um, I do think it was fine to sell Fred. Uh, Mount getting injured so early is obviously not part of the plans. But with Erickson, you have someone who can still offer a bit in possession is is honestly quite terrible out of possession, which is which is fine. You know, I, I don't think anyone really expects him to be a pressing machine. The other problem is that he just can't last 90 minutes. So if if Ten Hag plays Ericsson and the match is still tied or United are down in the 60th, 70th minute, what do you do? Um, I, I think what you end up doing is is probably playing Bruno back in the deeper role and then maybe moving Sancho to the 10. Um, it's really tough to say. McTominay, on the other hand, I'm really interested to see what he looks like next to Casemiro. It's not something we've really seen. It's not that I think McTominay is suddenly going to become a, a superstar player or anything. I just think McTominay has been played at the number six role, and he's just not a number six. I, I really think his biggest strengths lie in his his energy, his running, and and really his box threat, being able to get in the box. We've seen him score you know, a decent number of goals for someone playing his position. So I, I'm actually quite interested to see what it looks like having Casemiro play as the actual six and allow McTominay the, the freedom to run forward and not only press, but get into the box Maybe get on the end of some of those crosses. You know, maybe get a couple goals here and there. Again, I don't think McTominay is suddenly going to become an elite-level player. I think that ship has sailed. I just think we've never seen... We've never given him the opportunity to show what he can do best on a regular basis. And I think playing him next to Casemiro can allow that to happen. So what Ten Hag decides to do is... It will be interesting. 
Again, my preference or my thought is that we're going to see Erickson against Forrest just because United will have more of the ball. You know, Erickson is definitely going to be better than McTominay when it comes to breaking down a low block. But I think against Arsenal, we are going to see a Casemiro-McTominay partnership, and, and I'm pretty excited for it. So overall, again, I think my personal panic meter is about a four or five. I think what we've seen so far this season is a, is a mix of things that warrant long-term concern and things that I, I am just not concerned about. You know, things I'm really not concerned about. Mason Mount, Lissandro Martinez, some of the individual errors that we've seen. I even think that there's, there's room for the wingers to, to grow when it comes to their decision-making. I'm not worried about Marcus Rashford because he hasn't played on the left yet. But there are things to be concerned about long-term. If you want to look at individuals, you know, the, the obvious one is Casemiro. I'm not fully panicked about that yet, but it's something I've got my eye on. It's, it's a tough one. You know, it's hard for me to believe he's going to go from the performances, the, you know, the level he was at last year to where, to what we've seen so far. But at the same time, father time is undefeated. So it's bound to happen eventually. I just don't think that can happen in, in one off season. We've also seen tremendous, tremendous bounce back ability uh, from him as well as the team as a whole. I, I think the biggest red flag we've seen so far is it's just the the recruitment, right? The the squad, not just in size, but in terms of fit of what Ten Hag wants to do. Think about when Rangnick was here. Some of the things he said at the end, you know, the squad needs open heart surgery. It needs, you know, ten plus players, and he's he's completely right. He's completely right. The problem is you can't do that in in one summer or even two summers. It's it's really going to take time. And when you're Manchester United, it's you don't really have time. And that's the tricky spot that they're in. I hope they give Ten Hag the time. I think he's completely deserved. You know, he's he's won a trophy and got top four in a season in which he was expected to do neither one of those things. And I think you know, he's earned the right to have, you know, much more time than some people are starting to give him. And as far as individual errors go, again, this is something where if you see it as a short-term or a long-term concern, it's it's really up to you. One could argue, very short-term, these players, we, we saw it last year, large body of work, they're not going to play like this every week. But on the other hand, if the sample size starts to grow and this goes on for more and more games, then it becomes a, a major concern. And where do you go from there? I'm personally still in the short term concern sort of you know, line of thinking. I, I really think that a lot of the off field drama has started to affect the players, whether it's Mason Greenwood, whether it's ownership, whether it's Ronaldo drama from last year, Harry Maguire drama from this year. The squad's been through a lot, um, no, no doubt about it. And that seems to a lot of that seems to be clearing up now. There were some reports yesterday and today uh, that the the Qatari takeover is going to happen, you know, sometime in the, in the next month or two. And we just had the resolution to the Mason Greenwood um, investigation, so that's wrapped up now as well. As far as Harry Maguire goes. You know, whether he stays or goes, I don't know. But once the transfer window shut, then it's over. 
you know, as far as the uncertainty goes, that's over. He's either going to be here or he's not. There will be a final resolution in the squad and they can go from there. So to summarize, you know, United have played two matches, won one, lost one, and ironically looked bad in the win and looked pretty good in the loss other than, you know, some individual breakdowns. But whether or not we should be concerned, you know, only time will reveal the answer. And we just have to wait and see. That's kind of the mode every club is in when it comes to, to early season. I know everyone wants to, to draw to immediate conclusions, but it's just impossible to do that. So I'm really looking forward to the Nottingham Forest match. We will have another pod out next week. I know this episode was rather short. Uh, just keep in mind, you know, this is this is my first time doing this. So, you know, I, I hope that as I do this more and more, I'll get better. The episodes will be longer, more informative, more detailed. Uh, but this will conclude this week's episode of Speak of the Devils. Thank you all so, so much for listening. And I will have another pod up um, sometime next week after the Nottingham Forest match. Until then, have a wonderful week. And again, thank you for listening. Bye now.